today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Newfoundland is in lockdown. Uh, other places, indeed the UK, is starting to get into that too because of the variant and uh, the impact that it's causing and how quickly it's spreading. Uh, don't know if it's going to happen here in Ontario. We're really just into day two of the phasing out of the lockdown, of course, that we've been living under since Boxing Day. Uh, and we're getting various stories about the impact that it's having on people. We understand that, okay, let's open the doors again is going to be good for the economy. But uh, as our previous guest told us, uh, there are some concerns about whether or not that's stopping the spread. So uh, until that thing is just not knocked down but eliminated, uh, the pandemic and all its variations, uh, we may be looking at lockdowns or semi-lockdowns for quite some time. But what kind of an impact does it have? And how do we approach this? And, and are we compliant with these sorts of things? Lots of questions. And uh, to get some perspective on this, we're pleased to welcome uh, Dr. Karen Zhang, a clinical psychologist at the Jurovinsky Cancer Center and uh, assistant professor in the Department of Psychiatry and Behavioral Neurosciences at McMaster University. Doctor, thank you so much for the time. Glad you could join us today. Oh, no problem, Bill. Glad to be here. The, the discussion about lockdowns and the impact that they've had has been going on, well, since about March 15th of last year, I guess. Uh, and as is, I guess, the case with just about every other aspect of dealing with this uh, COVID vaccine and the pandemic, uh, there's science versus mythology, I guess, when it comes to people's attitudes towards this, isn't there? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, I, I think oftentimes we think that if we tell people to do something, it's, there is an expectation that they will follow, but obviously there are a lot more factors to that. There's so many different aspects to this. I mean, we can talk about the lockdown. We can talk about, uh, well, it was just in Hamilton last weekend, I guess it was, there was a, another anti-mask uh, protest that was going on outside Hamilton City Hall, and uh, that element is there. There's the anti-vaxxers, but the, there's concern about lockdown. And, you know, Doctor, we've had a lot of concerns and, and discussions about mental health impacts and, and that, you know, staying locked up for long periods of time and, and not socializing uh, can really wear somebody down and there are mental health aspects to this how do we deal with something like this i mean we are by nature i mean social animals we like to be around people we like to associate we like to talk we like to interact with people uh and that's that's becoming a lost art these days apparently Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, for sure. I, I think um, oftentimes I, I see different strategies that have been proposed for dealing with the lockdown. Um, and I think sometimes it's okay just to acknowledge that this is hard for everybody. Um, the lockdown, it not only gets in the way of the social activities, but I think a lot of the times it does take away the coping strategies that we have. You know, normally we have a bad day, we can go visit friends, we can go to our favorite um, coffee shop or restaurant, but all those things are not available to us. And I think sometimes it's okay to actually just acknowledge that this is a loss before we try to fix or or try to apply strategies to fix it. Do we believe what our leaders are telling us? Do our medical and political leaders, when they say this is necessary, or have we become that skeptical that we say, why do I have to do this? Yeah, yeah. I I think it's interesting because I think um, everyone's experience with the pandemic um, is similar. We're in a similar boat, but also slightly different. I think for many of the healthcare uh, professionals on the front line, um, you you see sort of the daily battles um, and and the risk that's involved. Um, But for many people who are maybe staying at home, and this is what we're seeing on our television or social media, but it's kind of removed from our day-to-day, it's hard to kind of buy in, I think, to the messaging that the government or other people have been putting forth in terms of the lockdown. 
I, I mean, because I, I hear from skeptics and, and, and believers, by the way, all, all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, we start talking, for instance, about the impact of the pandemic and, and now the variants of the pandemic are having on hospitalizations and, and, you know, ICU beds and things of this nature. There's a lot of people that c- contact me that said, I just don't believe that. I don't see that. In other words, if, I, if it's not in front of me, if I don't have concrete proof that it's an evidence that it's there, I, I well, I'm not going to use the term fake news like, because I kind of tired of hearing that but they just figure uh, they're just blowing this thing out of proportion uh, now i've talked to a lot of frontline workers as i'm sure you do on a daily basis of course but at your job uh that say you know walk a mile in my shoes you know but of course what but if you don't go into a hospital all the time you don't understand the impact that it's having but it, the, the people that are making the decisions do have that perspective and not all of us do Mm-hmm, absolutely. And I think it, it is important to acknowledge that um, many people are giving up a lot right now because of the lockdown. And when um, the virus is not right in front of you or we're not seeing an ICU right in front of us, we start to wonder, what is this all for? Mm-hmm. Right? We're kind of removed from it. So I, I think just acknowledge that it's very normal to be skeptical of, is this true? Um, uh, but I, I think if we can have these kind of uh, direct dialogues uh, with the healthcare professionals, um, there is a fight that's going on, and everyone is doing their parts, and it's really helping us, especially here at the hospital. Uh, Back a couple uh, weeks ago, everyone here was very tense, very anxious about coming to work, Um, but seeing the numbers go down, it does give us an ease of mind, and I do have patients who ask, you know, what's really going on at the hospital, and I I find that if they have that direct communication with me, um, someone that they know, someone they trust, us, not just a government official speaking to them. I, I, I think we're able to uh, come to some common ground about how to deal with a pandemic. So information is obviously key, and it's not just information, I would think, Dr. Witt. It's also the manner in which it's presented. Mm-hmm, absolutely, yeah. I, I, I think I've seen different ads, kind of some of them use scare tactics um, to kind of show how fast the virus can transmit. Uh, but I think messaging sometimes based on behavioral science and what we know about how to best communicate people to people, I think sometimes that can lead to more effective messaging. Uh, and, and again, I, I, yeah, that, that gets into the political realm, but also the, the medical professionals. I mean, we see them on, on TV and hear them on the radio almost on a daily basis now, giving us uh, their take on what's going and the, and the numbers and the statistics. Uh, the problem, I guess, that, that a lot of us might face is, is uh, it's 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 not something a lot of us can relate to. The numbers, you know, these are huge numbers when we talk about the number of people that have been infected uh, and, and sadly the number of people that have, have died because of this. But it's, uh, it's, it's, it's not relatable to an awful lot of people. I mean, one of the common things I hear from, from a lot of the skeptics is, you know, I'm hearing all this stuff from all these experts, but I've never, I don't know anybody that's ever had COVID. I don't see anybody in my neighborhood. In other words, if it's not in your, your, your circle, uh, you're skeptical about everything then and you just don't believe what they're telling you. Absolutely, absolutely. I I think we can only base um, our assessment of risk on our own experience. Um, And we look at behavioral science principles about how do we communicate effectively in terms of health messaging. Um, It is speaking to the fact of how much risk does that person think uh, they're taking in terms of uh, by complying or not complying to the lockdown measures. And I think for someone who really has no one uh, really connected with a healthcare circle or who know anyone who's had COVID, um, sometimes it's really hard for them to kind of see the risk of maybe uh, 
kind of uh, breaking the lockdown measures or um, following some of the social distancing rules. Yeah, if it's not tangible for them and it's not part of their world, it's going to be very difficult for them to relate, uh, which is why I, I guess we go back to that part about the communication and, and effectively communicating, uh, whether it's a political leader or a medical expert, whatever the case might be. Uh, mm-hmm. th- there has to be a part B to anything, isn't there, Doctor? I mean, if they say we're going into lockdown next week, uh, mm-hmm. there's got to be, a, I think, a, a valid explanation as to why uh, we're doing it. And, and don't just spew numbers at them, but say this is what it will cost. If we don't do this, this is what will happen. If we do this, this is what's likely to happen. I mean, a lot of the time we don't get that explanation. Yeah. Um, Bill, I'm really glad you said that. Uh, why are we doing this? And I'm thinking back to um, a really important research paper that came out and actually in the early 2000s. And really what this study was looking at was um, trying to see how we can improve um, instructions for consumer products so that people actually follow the instructions for safety reasons. And in this study, what they were looking at was trying to get uh, the participants to wear gloves as they're transferring a a plant from one pot to another. So they divided the participants into two groups. In one group, they were simply given instructions, wear gloves when you're doing this. In the other group, they were told uh, to wear the gloves because if you don't, the fertilizer may contact your skin and cause a rash. And when they look at between the group two groups who were more compliant in terms of wearing the gloves, it was definitely group B when they were told why um, they had to comply. And definitely we see more effectiveness in that group. And, and I guess that applies specifically to the two of the, the dealing with the pandemic uh, is to the protocol. You know, wash your hands. Of course I'll wash my hands. Well, no, you probably don't wash your hands enough during the day, and you probably don't do it properly. And I I know there was a study done a couple of years ago that indicated that even people in the hospital environment and healthcare settings uh, admitted that they didn't wash their hands as effectively as they could. Uh, So this is like it's a wake-up call, I guess, really, that uh, sometimes we get a little sloppy and we take things for granted. And this is just a reminder that we we do do this. And and here's what happens, because it can be transmitted and, and the information that we got from experts like yourself and others, doctor, would say, look, if you don't, uh, the virus could be there and it could be there for quite some time. You could go and scratch your nose or something like that. And then all of a sudden you're going to test positive. So wash your hands, you know, to, to try to mitigate any impact that it could have. Absolutely. I, I think sometimes the tricky part when we're uh, sending out these messages is there is that desire to keep things simple and straightforward, but we're missing that part of explaining to people why this might be important. Um, and I think everyone, we do try to do the best we can. If we think that other people care about this, then we want to care about it too. Right? But if we're missing that piece that explains why this is important, then there's that disconnect, like you said, where it, it doesn't seem to connect with any other experience we have. So then we won't want to follow these rules or these measures. I guess there's always going to be the skeptics anyway who just, they're contrarian to just about everything, and, and they'll look for things to try to validate their position on that. And we've seen this happen, haven't we, Doctor, over the last year or so uh, when we've gone in and out of lockdowns and variations of it, uh, where they'll say, well, wait a second, you know, back in my March you said we didn't need to wear masks. Now we do. You guys don't know what you're talking about. Uh, or any number of other things that, you know, they'll, they'll try to cherry pick those and say, you know, we're getting mixed messaging here, but which must be frustrating for the medical community uh, because they're learning every day what's going on. And, and, you know, we have to learn to pivot on that. That's, that's, that's all part of the experience. But uh, if you're going to be skeptical about it, I guess you're always going to find holes in some of these things. 
Absolutely. I hear that quite a lot, is that the messaging has been inconsistent. And in some ways, that's true. um, But also considering that this is a new virus we're dealing with. um, And there's a lot of things that we're continuing to learn. And there has been already a lot of great work um, that's been done both uh, within Canada and also internationally. Uh, But the information that we're getting, it is changing. It's not meant to be uh, inconsistent to confuse people. It's just that we're evolving in terms of what we learn about the virus. Um, But sometimes I think that does feed into that skepticism, feeling like maybe the information is not true or try to poke holes in it, as you said. Um, But I think within the medical community, the messaging is uh, pretty consistent in that these measures do, they do work. And there has been a lot of studies that look at this and see that uh, kind of these lockdown measures, as uh, hard as they are, they do uh, tend to bring down the cases and help everyone going forward. Well, and we've got evidence of that, too. When we look at other jurisdictions around the world that have done that and, uh, and had th- that positive impact that's, that, that's happened with them. And besides, this to this, and while you, you know, the doctor said this one time and a month later they've changed it, uh, you have to remind people. I said, you know, they used to, used, used to treat fever by bleeding people, too, and we, we don't do that anymore because we've learned. Uh, you know, medicine is always going to be evolving like that as we find out more things about this. Uh, there's one other thing I wanted to ask you about, and it was uh, about what we're calling behavioral fatigue. Uh, and a lot of people are saying if we go into another lockdown again, it's going to have a negative impact on mental health. People are going to start to get paranoid. They're going to start to get claustrophobic. There's all sorts of things like this. And I know that uh, there were a, a number of UK uh, behavioral scientists that actually wrote a letter to the government saying this is this is baloney. That it's it's not really there. There's no scientific proof that that's the way that humans will react to things like this. What, what's your read on that? Yeah, I think maybe to clarify, behavior fatigue is a little bit separate from mental health. Behavior fatigue is this idea that if we keep doing a behavior for a long time, we would not be able to maintain it. Um, and I think many of the scientists in UK and across the world can agree that that's not a real phenomenon. Just because we do something for a long time doesn't mean we cannot maintain it. Where it gets complicated is that some of these lockdown measures, I think we do have to acknowledge that it does take a mental health toll. But that doesn't mean um, that these measures uh, shouldn't be put in place. It does mean that we need more mental health resources to help people cope as we're dealing with these lockdown measures. Well, and, and support mechanisms, too. And I know, again, that's where government comes in, I guess. I mean, if you're going to be locked down or your business is going to close and you you know, there has to be compensation there has to be you know in other words it's bad enough that there's going to be a lockdown situation and there's a possibility of isolation or and we're not going to be able to socialize as much as we want but if you add that pressure of of where's my money going to come from how am i going to pay the mortgage how am i going to do this uh you know that only adds to the situation so i mean government does have a role here to say okay this is what we're going to do uh this might have a negative impact on you but here's what we're going to give you to try to help you through this and and that's that has to be part of that dialogue i would think Absolutely. I think these social supports, these uh, psychological supports speak louder than this concept of behavioral fatigue, which when we scratch a little bit deeper, it's not a real phenomenon that exists. But for sure, the lockdown does take a toll, but there could be other resources and supports that can help with that, including financial support. 
and and of course the medical professions as well you know this is what we're going to do but this is actually going to help you in the long run and you know the and we've uh, well with catchphrases that we've used you know the, the the more we're apart the sooner we'll be together things like that and sometimes little slogans like that and it, it can be helpful in at least assisting people to understand that okay i i'm not crazy about having to do this but i know why i have to do it and i know that it's going to have a positive outcome eventually Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. And I think in my work, I'm at the Cancer Center, and um, obviously this has been very concerning for many of the patients I work with. Um, and it's hard for them, too, not being able to be with family when they're also battling cancer. But I, I know that for some of them that are coping well, they do have messages like that. You know, For example, during Christmas, this Christmas I won't be able to spend with family so that next Christmas I can. It's the idea of um, reminding ourselves, why are we doing this? Uh, kind of what's the the value that we're hoping to get out of uh, being in the lockdown. Uh, and that that kind of positive messaging, you know, to suggest that, that hey, we're still going to be here for you, and there are going to be support services for you. Uh, you know, I think one of the phrases we use is self-isolation doesn't mean total isolation, uh, that we still mm-hmm. can find some elements of socialization, even though we may be in a lockdown mode. And, you know, so we just have to, instead of just saying, hey, come on, just buck up here and put up with it, come on, uh, we have to explain exactly what's going on. I guess that, that eases a lot of the tension that may, may be developing. Absolutely. I, I think acknowledging it rather than brushing it off um, is, is important. Um, and the other piece to that is also looking at other resources um, that does provide that mental health support. I know that uh, within Ontario, there has been a number of different mental health apps and different resources that have come up so that uh, people don't have to feel so alone um, during a time we, when we are self-isolating. Absolutely. Well, there are support services available, too, and that's good to know here in this province as well. Doctor, thank you so much for the time. It was great to get your perspective on this. Uh, Stay well, and hopefully we can talk again soon. Well, thank you so much, Bill. Thanks for having me. Take care. Dr. Karen Jang, of course, uh, talking to us from the Jurovinsky Medical Center, of course, up on the mountain in Hamilton. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.